Hello, and welcome to the H in HR podcast, where people discuss the most important aspect of human resources, the human aspect. Now here is your host, Ricky Baez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the H in HR podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Baez, and thank you for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, broadcasting from beautiful Central Florida, which I don't know if it's uh, don't know if it's good outside. I don't know if it's raining or if it's sunny. I got my blinds shut. I just like working in the dark today. So, but either way, uh, just imagine it's beautiful. It doesn't really matter, right? It's Orlando. I mean, how bad can it possibly get? But folks, I just finished the recording a session with a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Eisler. Let me tell you about Jonathan. I first met him. He was a speaker at Disrupt HR Jacksonville 2.0 earlier this year. Stay tuned because there's there's plans in place for Disrupt HR Jacksonville 3.0 for next year. But, yeah, so he was a speaker um, at the event this year, and he was talking about, you know how organizations have employee assistance programs for the employees? And he was talking about that you got to have something similar for the organization itself, right? And and that really resonated with me, right? Because I one of the things that I like to do, of course, with my daily uh, uh, course of work, is I like talking about EAP because EAP, in my opinion, over the years, or in case you don't know what that means, is the Employee Assistance Program. Over the years, has got a lot a bad rap. It really has. And one of the things that I really want to do is I want to put EAP in the forefront to where people fully understand all the benefits that you get from it. Now, that's from an employee perspective. What he was talking about is from a complete leadership perspective. So let me tell you what he does for a living. He is the vice president of All One Consulting. And what he does for the organization, he cultivates high-impact teams, and he makes sure that any kind of success they have is result-driven. So, I mean, it's I don't know any better way to explain somebody's skill set than something like that. Um, in the show, you'll hear, I mean, I told him you should put that like in a T-shirt, right? Because that's just an impactful statement. So, anyway, we had a great conversation about about EAP, the importance of it, and the importance of making sure that you have a, your employees have a good relationship with leadership and vice versa. So this show is all, all about cultivating those relationships and focusing on the results that you get out of those relationships. So folks, without further ado, check it out. You're going to like it. This is Jonathan Eisler. My main man, Jonathan, how you doing today, man? Doing well. Excited to have this conversation with you. Excellent. Well, look, I appreciate your time, and I, 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 I've been waiting for us to record because I first met you at Disrupt HR Jacksonville earlier this year, man, and you knocked it out of the park. I mean, you, you really did. You want to tell the audience real quick, what was, it, what was the topic you chose for your five minutes of fame with uh, Disrupt HR Jacksonville? Yeah, that was quite a, a fun experience, too, and full transparency, authenticity here was a, was a little bit daunting. Um, just to be able to have something that was so structured, 20 slides, five minutes, but it was a good exercise. You did a great job emceeing it and shout out to the entire Disrupt HR Jacks team. But the topic was on organizational health is the new employee wellness. And I chose that because the organization that I have the privilege of being a part of, All One Health, really takes that comprehensive or a whole systems approach to look at whole health at the organizational level whether it's through organizational consulting with the division that I run, through our wellness division, or through our 
robust employee assistance program that provides unlimited access to mental health resources for employees and their family, in addition to a bunch of other concierge services. Our organization really looks at the entire health of an organization by looking at the entire health and well-being of individuals. It's something I'm passionate about, and that's why it was an easy topic for me to, to decide on once I found out I was going to have the opportunity to speak at Disrupt HR. Well, it definitely caught my attention because one of the it's one of the things that I like to push on my clients and everybody who I talk to about HR is you know just just employee health, mental health, and more importantly, the employee assistance program. Because Jonathan, I don't know if you if if you've gotten this pushback, the same pushback as I have in my career, is people tend not to like EAP. People tend not to use EAP because of the stigma behind it. And I'll say it: a lot of people have a a the wrong opinion or the wrong um, uh, perception of EAP. That is only if you're going crazy, quote unquote, right? And that's not the yeah. case. There's a lot more to it, right? Absolutely. And I mean, let's be honest, that that stigma you're talking about, that also applies to mental health in general, but it's even magnified within EAP. Because like, think about our parents generation, right? If there was an EAP or what would be called an EAP then, um, even not that long ago, it was probably some gentleman, let's call him Bob at the end of the hall that if you showed up too many Mondays late, reeking of alcohol and your eyes were red, they're like, go talk to Bob, right? It's like where you went when something was wrong. It's being sent to the principal's office for professionals. So it's not, it wasn't seen in a positive light, but that's something I will say this too. One of the positives that came out of the pandemic, it has further destigmatized the need for mental health resources. Um, but that's also why an organization like All One Health, we're just really passionate about continuing to chip away at that stigma and really position these resources as a proactive measure. And it's exciting for us when we look at the data that we're, employees are coming into the program when they are finding out about it from their colleagues that just speaks a testament to yep. the positive experience that they're having and to start to shift that right it can come from hr or ceos or ceos senior leadership it doesn't necessarily matter but when a colleague's like hey ricky it's not just when things are going bad it's like look i was a little stressed about this new home i bought it's a little financial uncertainty right now and then ricky goes you know what? Hey, you should just reach out to the EAP. They, they can help you out. It's no cost to us. And yeah. it helped me get through here. Like that's a positive way. Right. So it's reassuring to be able to see that and that the stigma is continuing to, to be chipped away at. I'll say and, that. and interesting that you say that piece, because the example you use is not an example that people are used to. Right. Because you said I'm stressed right. out because I'm buying a home. And some, yeah. if you've never bought a home before, let me tell you, it's not all roses. <laughs> it is stressing. It really is because you have, if you're putting some money down, you got to move some money here. You got to, you know, coordinate the moving. You become a project manager, even though that's not what you do for work. So it, it really yeah. is stressful. So, Jonathan, what do you tell people who are afraid to calling EAP, who are afraid to reaching out because they're just concerned about, their boss finding out the reason they call EAP because that's the pushback I've gotten. That part's the, I don't mean to diminish this, but okay. that part is somewhat of the easier, right? Because of, of an easier answer is about the bosses finding out because of the fear of confidentiality. Mental health professionals are legally bound by the laws of HIPAA, mm. right? They can literally lose, they will lose they, and, and I'm not a clinician, so I just want to put that out there too. Um, but they will lose their licensure to be able to practice if they violate the laws that HIPAA at the national level yeah. protects, right? It's the privacy of personal and health-related and mental health is a part of that information. So 
That will end, believe me, EAP providers are held to the highest levels of standards around this, even to the extent that say Zoom or Teams, because right, we do a lot of video counseling in, in today's environment, text, all this other stuff. It is so restrictive in a good way for an EAP provider that's using Zoom there's little simple things like it's impossible to copy and paste text out of a chat. You cannot share files through there. Oh. And it's called a HIPAA compliant Zoom, right? So there's a ton of different ways there that will help to protect the employee's confidentiality. Um, but still it's, it's, it's that repositioning. And I will say this, this does start at the top with an organization uh -huh. that it's not just where you go when things are, are bad. It's, where you go for for help in the broadest sense, right? One of the greatest stories that I heard talking to a customer is actually an HR leader. She shared about how she was getting stressed out for an upcoming wedding a few years ago, and she couldn't find a makeup artist. She called the EAP, and within like a couple hours, they had a makeup artist set up on no. site for a destination wedding for the wedding. Right? People don't wow. think about that. Type I didn't of stuff. know that. <laughs> another, sto another story I heard. Now I should also be clear. I don't want to sound like I'm. And stuff, but there's a wide range of EAPs, yeah. right? So this isn't a blanket statement, all EAPs, but when there's a standalone employee assistance provider that doesn't have fiduciary ties to an insurance carrier, that's when you start to get this level of concierge services that I'm ah, talking about. I got it. Another great example I heard not too long ago was a family was getting ready to go on this vacation. They've been planning for almost a year and they had flooding in their basement and they called the EAP said, here's our homeowner's insurance. And the EAP said, we'll take care of it. You know, got, some, got a group out, got the water out, did the mold treatment, filed the insurance claim. By the time the family came back, they had a check in the mail from their insurance company. Little things like that, so, right? Shift that it's not just where you go and things are wrong. I'm, so I'm shocked, right? Now, now, I knew EAP was a lot more than what people think it is, but those are great specific examples of what people just didn't know what kind of assistance you could find. And it's free, right? Because it, it's in to most cases. Yeah. Yeah. It, costs, it costs less than a cup of coffee to the employers. And that part just kind of blows your mind. Wow. Right? Look at that. Yeah, no cost to the employees. So, okay. So, no. So, I'm definitely going to, to market the living daylight side of this piece because, yes, that EAP piece is important. There's a lot more in, there's, there's a lot more benefit out there than what people think it is. So, this is what you do, right? So, but I'm looking at your bio. I'm looking at your bio and it says, you have a proven record in refining goals and cultivating high impact teams. And you're also the essential. You know, so, so you're also an essential architect of results-driven success. Man, I gotta put that on a t-shirt. All right, I gotta put that because that <laughs> sounds really dang good. All right, so what does that mean, Jonathan? <laughs> so this is probably where I should clarify. I am not in the EAP side of our business, right? I have the opportunity to lead our organizational consulting division. Mm -hmm. Because I mentioned whole health, right? We talk about the whole health of an organization. So all that stuff I just talked about with the EAP, that is so important at the individual level for employees yeah. and for their family members. Because I don't know about you, but I think the notion that we can separate work and life is BS, right? Because what <laughs> happens at our home, like, like, okay, you have, let's say you have a blow up with your partner or something like that. You come to work, even if it's just going into your home office and closing the door, it's going to impact how you're at work, yep. right? And also conversely, you have a terrible day at work or a great day at work. It's going to impact how you come home to your family and how you show up. So that's on the EAP side, but looking at the whole health approach, the whole system, maybe use a medical term, our consulting division then focuses on the experience that employees have with their employer directly. 
right? So it's like, do employees really enjoy the manager that they report to? Do they feel that they're included in the team? Do they feel supported by the team that they're a part of, mm. right? Do they feel that the organization cares about them, wants to provide them opportunities to grow? All of those types of things. And let's be honest, work is where we spend the majority of our waking hours anyway, yeah. right? And so that's what I get really excited about, that I get to focus on that organizational piece. And then my colleague that focuses on the wellness piece. So we have the physical through the wellness, we have the mental health through the EAP, and then we have the experience with the employing organization and the consulting division. That's the side that I run. So you guys have the whole package then, right? Because once you... Because here's what I heard, and and, and and correct me if I'm wrong. What I heard was is that you you personally or professionally, but you work with how the employees deal with the employers and vice versa, right, to cultivate that relationship, to make sure that relationship works. And then an, a colleague in your same organization focuses on the employee's well-being, just the employee, not necessarily their boss, right? But yeah. what, what, what baggage, if any, they bring in from home or they take home from work. Because I agree with you, Jonathan, it, it, it's people spend most of their, their waking hours at work. And one of the things that I do uh, teach to my uh, to my students, because I teach over at Rollins College here in Winter Park. Are you in Orlando? No, you're, I'm you're in St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Oh, man, I love it yeah. there. I'm going there um, this come No, in two weekends, I'm going to be there. Once the Christmas stuff. Is the Christmas stuff still up already? The lights go up the 18th this Saturday. Oh, see, so folks, if, if you saw, it almost looked like you had a calendar, like a date on your uh, on your computer. You're like, oh, it's on the, it's, here's when it's coming. You're waiting for that, aren't you? One of the nonprofits I have the, the opportunity to serve on the board for, that's our largest fundraiser of uh. the year. It's the Home Against St. John's. We take a personalized approach to help the home disadvantaged within the city of St. Augustine to get back on their feet and have access to some of the basic human rights. And that is actually, that's our biggest fundraiser. So that's also top of mind right now. Got it. <laughs> so that's why it was like really, really quick. And folks, if you're yeah. listening, you don't know about the city of St. Augustine. It is the nation's oldest city. The first one, right? The the nation's oldest, uh, what was it, 15? 52. 1552. Yeah, just yeah, just a few years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just that's it. No, but dude, yeah. Dude, so so one of the things that Your I students, you think? Yeah. So one of the things that I talk to my students about is how you as a leader affect. You're the entire day of your employee, right? Because if you divide your day by three, right, that's three equal uh, three equal parts of eight hours. You're at work for at least eight, right? Let's say ten. Right, you're work for ten hours, right? And then when you go home, and other people think, "Oh, that's it," so they're going home and they're going to relax. No, you got kids, you got karate, you got soccer. You may have another job. You may have to do Uber Eats. You may have to do these other things. There's other responsibilities that do not care where you just came from from your first part of the day, and then you do that for at least eight. What's that? Eighteen hours so far? We got six <laughs> hours left, <laughs> right? Yeah. And what suffers is sleep. And the more stressful people are at work, the worse their relationships are at home and the worse you sleep, and then it gets worse and worse. But if as a leader, 
you're able to affect the employee's day in a positive way for at least those 10 hours. Those 10 hours are going to lead to better relationships at home. You're going to sleep better at night. And then it's a, it's a big vicious circle. Now I don't want people to think I'm a psychiatrist. I am not. Uh, but I did sleep at a Holiday Inn uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I'm not a psychiatrist. But but here's the thing: um, I that has worked for me. That I I have seen it that way. Have you seen anything different, or does that I does that rationale work for you? It works a hundred percent. And for those of you that haven't yet seen the recordings of the Disrupt HR, watch it. And exactly what you just said, Rick, Ricky. And I say watch all ten presenters. All phenomenal. Um, at the end of my, of my five minutes, that's exactly what I talked about. This is sort of like my personal mission in life, because I believe that happy and healthy organizations create and lead to happy and healthy leaders that create, lead to happy and healthy employees and happy and healthy employees, they get out of work, they go back into the community and they're happier and healthier partners. They're happier and healthier parents. They lead, to, which leads to happier and healthier children, and ultimately a brighter future for all of us, right? So call it grandiose. I don't care. I say dream big. You know, shoot for the stars. But that is what I truly believe, and that's why actually I initially got into industrial organizational psychology almost 20 years ago because mm. I saw the ability at the organizational level to have the impact on the individual today, the community tomorrow, and the future. So that's. You and I are on the same page, Ricky. No surprise. So we are. Trust me. And and I saw I saw on your LinkedIn you dabbled in HR. You was an HR generalist back in the day, right? So what what I what was. what got you into HR? So it was actually my exposure when I first went to grad school for industrial organizational psychology. I wanted to really understand how HR focuses on driving the success of an organization by focusing on the human aspect of the business, right? The H and HR. And that's what really drew me in there. I really loved it. Just personally, I, I, I think it was more the role that I was in. Um, also, maybe where I was at in my career. But I also then wanted, like, I, I was sort of stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that, right? And I saw that too often HR, and I know, and I should be careful, I'm walking on thin ice here thinking about the audience. Here. You're good, too you're often good. HR, HR can get um, sort of like pushed down and seen as almost like, oh, they're a cost center. And sometimes, admittedly, some of the HR folks that I work with and that I've seen, they'll even do this to themselves. But it's at the organizational level. There was an old uh, comic I saw back in the days when they were printed in the newspaper. And it was like, there was an executive board meeting around a big table uh-huh. and HR was in a lower chair in the corner. And HR was like, we want to be important, right? And it's terrible. Yep. But... That comes from the top. And so I saw an opportunity. If we can help business owners, the business leaders start to shift that thinking. And I will say it's come a long way. That was 20 years ago. It's come a long way to where we are now. Um, But as I see HR leaders that truly understand the core drivers of their organization, what leads to the success, and they see how critical their role is, their table or their chair is not just at that table. But going back to that comic I saw before, that chair starts to rise up, right? right? I love working with leadership teams that say, that's great. Let's talk to our CHRO. You know, what do they think about this? Let's get their input. Um, and 
So it's, I'm, I get very excited when I start to see that too, but we have to take ownership for ourselves as HR leaders, as business yep. leaders, as consultants, you know, so and folks, that's a long answer. No, 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 that, that, that's, I love that answer actually. So for everybody out there listening, that's a little bit confusing what he said. Um, a newspaper is a sheet of thin paper. Uh, where uh, the news was printed on, and we used to get all of our social media information from there. That doesn't exist anymore because you said oh. newspaper, and I'm like, oh, dude, we lost people, brother. We lost people. So, no, but you know what, though? You're 100% right because it's um, when it comes to, let's say, as far as value, right? And don't worry about saying that on this show because I like to keep this authentic here. So, yes, HR, HR is seen as an expense, Right? To the yeah. untrained eye, HR is seen as an expense. So if we came to a point where we now had to um, uh, lay people off, the first place that people look at is the departments that don't generate immediate value, right? So things that are not sales, yeah. right? So HR, training and development, things like that. But that's to the naked eye. But to the trained eye, they're able to see that a- HR may not generate immediate sales, but HR generates a value because with how HR consults with the operations and how to, with, with, with sales, with talent, if we do things the right way and we have the right harmony of relationships and we have the right harmony of, uh, of, of expertise, the value that person brings to the organization is just that much more higher because of that relationship. So that's the biggest difference because you said that uh, if you're at the table – um, you got um, uh, people who would ask the, the uh, CHRO. Here's when I know that the the business gets the value of human resources. You ready? Um, when we're having a meeting, right, and then the leader says, oh, God, you know what? Let's run this by HR to make sure we don't get in trouble, right? That's one, one, one way. The other way is – you know what? Let's run it by HR. Let's see. Let's see what they have to say. Maybe they're able to catch something we can't, right? Those two different um, uh, uh, conversations are different. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> For those of you who can't see the video, I put the, uh, the peace sign and balloons came up. I need to work on that. It's going to come out in the video. Can you do it? No, oh, no. no, no, no dude, that was so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. My eight-year-old sense of humor came out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you this, John. Because it, it, it's someone, someone who does what you do. I'm really curious on how you handle leaders who say, you know what? I don't believe in that hokey-pokey stuff. That's fluffy stuff. People should just be happy to have a job. Can't you just make them work and then go home and we don't have to do all this fluffy stuff? It's what do you say to leaders who push back in that manner? So I'll say my initial response, and then I'll say what I actually say. Um, I say <laughs> my initial reaction. My initial reaction is I'm not going to waste my time having a conversation with them because you and I both know this: that business is going to be obsolete in three to five years. They're not going to be able to attract, and they damn sure ain't going to be able to retain good talent. Right. So I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince them of that. Now, that's when it's the very top, the CEO, business owner, something like that. But if there's if at the very top, there still is that understanding that the very success of the business is due or tied to the way that their employees experience the business and therefore their managers. Right. An employee, they say employees leave managers, not companies. Right. Because that is how an employee experiences an organization is by their direct supervisor. So that, and we do run into that at varying levels of leadership, right? Where there's that kind of pushback. 
And that's when you can have a conversation to start to say, like, I mean, I guarantee all of us and all of your listeners have walked in, whether it's a coffee shop or retail store, movie theater, doesn't matter. You can walk in and in your first few seconds of interacting with an employee, whether it's front desk person, a cashier or salesperson, whatever it may be, you can very quickly pick up on how they feel about the organization they work with. That's right. Right. It's the difference of saying, nope, that's not our policy. Sorry to say, let's see what we can do here. Right. And so you can start to make that connection there that how your employees feel about you, manager that thinks that's all fluffy, is directly how your which are therefore their customers are going to feel about your organization, right? Do you want your customers feeling like it doesn't matter? They're just replaceable. They're all a number. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, I, I would not my customers to your feel employees. that way. Yeah. I, no, I, start with your employees. And you know, you know where I see that difference and no Chick-fil-A is not sponsoring this, but I got to tell you, Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, they're both in the fast food industry, but if yeah. you blo- if you shut down all the marketing, if you take out all the billboards and you just went into two separate restaurants next to each other, one is Chick-fil-A, one is McDonald's, but you don't know which is which, you'll know by how they treat you where you are, right? You'll know 100%. exactly how, where they are. And I shared this before, but this is my favorite story. A few years ago, pre-pandemic, I was uh, there's a Chick-fil-A right down the street from, from my house. I live in Orlando. And uh, I'm just in there working, you know, because I love their breakfast. Their breakfast is on point. So I got, so I have my Coke Zero with my, uh, with my uh, minis. So, but, uh, but I'm reading my, uh, my news from a tablet, not a newspaper, just making sure people know what's up. Uh, so I'm reading my news from, from my tablet. And my Coke Zero is almost gone. And this lady who was sweeping up just came up to me. Hey, what, what are you having, hun? Just take, just keep the uh, top. I'll fill this up for you. And it, it it didn't shock me, but I paused for a second because I'm like, somebody's mm-hmm. refilling my drink while I'm sitting down, and I'm not at a at a at a fast casual restaurant, right? I'm at a fast food restaurant. And by the way, the person who was sweeping, who stopped by my uh, my uh, my uh, uh, table to ask me if I wanted a refill, that was the manager. <laughs> right? That was Again, the manager. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that right there, and. But then, you know what happens, though, Jonathan, because you do have some leaders who will say, that's fine, we're not Chick-fil-A. But I agree with you. If, if, if you as a leader don't believe that the people who are the most closest to the reason you're in business, your employees, if you don't believe that they deserve, um, and I don't want to say an area, but if they deserve their spot to be, the, to be themselves at work, so that way they can bring the talents that you hired them to do. And if you don't believe that they deserve an area where they can fulfill whatever talents they have, then, yeah, we shouldn't be working with them. Right? <laughs> so I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. So, and in today's job market, right, we know that, that that's one of the – I mean, that's what keeps business leaders up at night is – and I don't necessarily like the term, but let's say the shortage of talent. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's – it's so critical. NHR plays such a critical role in this. Oh man, let me tell you. And and look, again, HR HR has a really bad stigma. And I'm not gonna lie, it, it, it's it's we've we've earned it. We've earned it. We definitely have have um, done things in the past that would earn us that that black eye out there. Because look, back in the day when HR was personnel, all we did was push paper, and all we did whenever operations had an idea 
and they brought it to us, we were so hell-bent on trying to find a way how that's not going to work. And I don't understand why we had that rationale. <laughs> Instead of saying, I got you, right? Because I want people to come to me to say, hey, Ricky, how can you help me do this? Instead of saying, oh, I, I got to check a box, <laughs> right? And the best way I can describe what a human resources department, I know I'm stuck on that, I'm sorry, Jonathan, um, what, how a human resources department works is, if your business partner wants to go from Orlando to Miami, right? Your business partner wants to be in a Corvette and go 120 miles an hour, right? My job as HR is I'm the state trooper. Look, look at that. Now I'm doing thumbs up and that's coming up. My job is I'm a state trooper. So I want you to get to Miami, but you have to follow the rules. You have to follow the laws and you got to do it under 70 miles an hour. Now, if I'm a real partner, I'm going to go out and find different ways for you to get there faster, not just I-95, not just the, the, the turnpike. I'm going to help you get there faster from a perspective you haven't seen before. So when you're out there working with these businesses, uh, how much time do you work with the CEO of a business versus working with the head of HR? So I'm going to answer that question at a little bit of a higher level okay. because I think it applies to whether we're working with a frontline team or a head of HR and a CEO, right? It, we always have to focus on the top first. So early on in my career, I walked into some situations where working with the group and like nobody would get engaged, right? You always have to get the mind, mindset shift first before you can start moving into the learning, right? You know this. Mm -hmm. um, and finally I was like, guys, what's going on? And they're like, the reason that we're all here isn't in the room. And it just hit me, right? If I could go back to 20 years younger, Jonathan, I, and since then, I've walked away. We have walked away. My division has walked away. My team has walked away from opportunities where that next level is not willing to be a part of the conversation. Mm. Because then we're just being seen as a tool to come in and fix something, let's say. Um, and so I, I would say the same thing with HR, right? So I had a conversation within the last two weeks with an HR leader, had some great aspirational goals that I could 300% get behind around shifting the culture there. Um, she was brought in initially as a consultant, then brought in internally to create more of an equitable and inclusive culture, mm. right? And so, and to her credit, she also said, you know, well, we got to start with the, with the leadership team. Okay, we're going through the list of everyone and said, okay, so I just asked the question. I said, so how do they feel about this coming initiative? And the reaction was, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It has to happen. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that she's not wrong. Or I'm saying, well, I can say that she's not right. Yeah. I'm going to say I would walk into a landmine or a firing squad to that, that then the next step, we're not walking away, but the next step is we need to have some conversations yep. with your CEO first. Let's have some talk there. Right. Because if, and you and I both know this as external consultants, we're not always saying something new. We're just an objective outside third party, oftentimes saying the same damn thing that the internal leaders were saying. But there's that's one of the, the values in bringing in an outside party, right? So then if we can sit there and say, look, we're working with hundreds of organizations like yours in the last couple of years, the CEO. I understand your hesitation to get into something like this and that's this fluffy to you, but let's talk about what happens if you don't. And let's talk about some examples, some real world examples. Let's also talk about some organizations very similar to yours and what they saw when they decided to take this uncomfortable plunge, have some difficult conversations, be vulnerable, and then hold each other accountable, mm. right? So it's got to start there. 
Yeah. Um. It, so it's Jonathan. We could be here all day <laughs> saying that. No, because you're right. It it has to start at the top. And look, as 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 a business owner, as business leaders, and we we have to we have to be really careful, right? Because if we accept, especially for me, I'm so I'm speaking for me as a consultant, especially for me, if 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 I if I take on a, a project that way that a leader just doesn't want to be flexible. They just say, hey, just go fix the employees and give me the bill later. So it, it, it's that's the type of client that you you don't want, me, I don't want to work with yeah. if that's the case, right? Because, you know, what's going to end up happening is we'll go in, everybody will have fun, they'll go back to work, and then the leader is not on board because the CEO is not on board, and whatever we learned in that class, it's just not going to materialize. And then when the CEO is having golf with his buddies, hey, how did Ricky do? Well, it didn't work out at all, right? And then it's all my fault, <laughs> right? So, 100%, yeah, well said. So, Jonathan, that said, that said, what are three things you think, or no, no, not you think. What are three things that, from your perspective, leaders need to do to start working on getting that high impact team for building those those really good relationships with their employees? So three things. Let's think about this in, in layers. Okay. Um, I think it really starts with leading by example, and that's a very broad statement. But what I mean by this is being very very clear on expectations they have of themselves, right? And also leading by example in that it's okay to be vulnerable, right? It's okay to be vulnerable because again, it ties to my personal values and I communicate this with my teams too, is it starts with well-being. We gotta take care of ourselves so we can be the best us to our families, whatever we wanna define family, right? Blood or other. Mm -hmm. Then gotta take care of our family because then as you said earlier, that impacts our professional life and then focus on our professional life, right? So we have to lead by example with that. And it's okay to say, hey, I'm having a tough day. I'm a bit stressed out. I need to take half a day for my own mental health. If you need me, I'll be back tomorrow, right? And also leading by example on truly unplugging. If you say that you're unplugging to go take care of yourself, do it. Don't respond to the emails. It takes extra work up front. I'm getting ready to go on medical leave on Monday for a few weeks for a procedure. It takes a lot more work this week, but you better believe that I want to, I need to be able to create the space for my body to heal itself. And I need my team to know that I want them to take the same approach. And I'm going to give them the same respect, but it starts with me, right? So don't feed into that. Well, I'm the leader. I got to do this, but I want my team to do that separately. That's BS. So that's the first lead by example, in a lot of different ways. And then you cascade that down though too, right? Creating that space and being very clear for your team, what your expectations are. I think a lot of the time in business, we start focusing on, well, yeah, they know what the KPIs are for the month, the quarter, the fiscal year. That's not just what I'm talking about. Sure, that's a piece of it. But it's the things that we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes that lead up to it. The things like the personal care, your own well-being, your own mental health, those types of things. And then, and lastly, it's understanding each of your employees different as a leader, right? Gone are the days of, well, I'm the boss, do what, do what I say. It doesn't work that way anymore. And even just from an effort reward kind of balance, of course, we want to make sure that that's equitable, right? Do our employees feel that they are being rewarded equitably for the effort that they're putting in? But don't just stop there. What's different to me? Probably very different to you, that's right? And, right. and, you know, and we go around the room. I have a team of six and I know that it's 
through conversations, taking the time to get to know them, to have conversations. I'm also a big fan of assessments. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> got it. But understanding, we just recently went through Pat Lencioni's Six Types of Writing Oh, teams, my God. Right? My favorite author. Each one of them. Yep. My Same. favorite author. Yeah. Each of our teams went through the assessments. We actually rewrote our job descriptions based off of oh. what tasks we do that make us feel like geniuses. And we're really, really clear on what each person does. And it's also okay to know what we're not great at too, right? And once you have that transparency, I'm able to say like, hey, that's your genius of wonder and invention coming up. Well, I don't have the genius of tenacity, but Monique does. Right. And so you got to know each of your people appropriately and accordingly adapt your communication style, your leadership style, your support and your reinforcement for the individual, not for the collective. So, folks, look, if, if, if we could be here for days talking about this, because I agreed a thousand percent with everything, he, with everything Jonathan just said, because look, at the end of the day, Jonathan, you know, this It's all about the employee. It's all about the human aspect. And it's all about what this podcast is all about. It's all about the H in HR. And I, I am glad I am proud and happy that there's somebody out there or people out there like you and me who, who really care about the employee, because again, the business would not be there if it wasn't for the employee with the talents that they have that you don't have for your organization that you're willing to pay for. Hence why they're an employee, right? So why not make the best of it? So Jonathan, what are some of the best ways? If if, if somebody had to listen to you and say, man, I got to get him to talk to my boss in my office, how can they get a hold of you? So please share my phone number, 312-636-6609. That is my direct cell phone. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you can do email, you can do LinkedIn, but give me a call. Be honest, texting, you'll get a faster response because I'm usually in a Hollywood square with a couple yeah. <laughs> spotlights on me. But a text, I'll respond to you within a day. I would love to have a conversation with you. And hey, even if it's just brainstorming ideas, kicking things around, if you want to think about how you can go have a conversation with your boss or colleague, let me know. In case you haven't picked up on it, I'm passionate about folks and individuals and therefore organizations getting to better places. So I would do this even if it was all for free. Look at that. Well, folks, you heard it here. He gave out his personal phone number. <laughs> so, yep. Excellent. Shout out to Mike Jones for setting the standard back in the day. And look at that. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> well, well, Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Let me see if I can do this on time. Let me see. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I got I balloons it. coming thank up. Right I'm doing clapping. Thank you, man. Have a this good has one. been awesome. All right. Bye. You as well. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Again, we are available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Now on YouTube, you're able to download this this, this video. But we are on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, so, uh, Player FM, try to remember here, um, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and what's the other one with Amazon? Oh, Audible. So we are an iHeartRadio. I think I said that already. It's all right. So we are on all of those platforms. Go ahead, give us a like, and send us an email if you want to hear a specific topic or if you have an idea for a guest. Shoot me an email at ebias at biasco.com. That's ebias at biasco.com. So, folks, that said, this is the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. Again, really appreciate it. See you next time. Have a good one.